0: This afternoon, we are going to be focusing on Lord's Day 25 or the Heidelberg Catechism and what Scripture teaches regarding the, the Word and Sacrament. And in connection with that, we're going to read two passages of Scripture, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. Our Old Testament passage is Isaiah 52, beginning at verse 7, and we're going to read to Isaiah 53, verse 6. So, Isaiah 52, beginning at verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice, together they sing for joy For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Depart, depart, go out from there, touch no unclean thing, go out from the midst of her, purify yourselves, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. For you shall not go out in haste, and you shall not go in flight, for the Lord will go before you, and the Lord and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Behold, my servant shall act wisely, he shall be high and lifted up, and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance... Was so marred beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations, kings shall shut their mouths because of him, for that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant. And like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray; we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. As far as our reading from the Old Testament, let's now turn to 1 John, chapter five. First John 5, we'll read the verses 5 to 15. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is He who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God, that he is born concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has born concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. As far the reading of God's Word, let's now respond by singing together Psalm eighty-five, stanzas three and four. <laughs> This afternoon, we are focusing on what Scripture teaches regarding the preaching of the gospel and the administration of the sacraments, as summarized and confessed in Lord's Day 25 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 25. <clears throat> Since then, faith alone makes a share in Christ and all his benefits. Where does this faith come from? From the Holy Spirit who works it in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel and strengthens it by the use of the sacraments. What are the sacraments? The sacraments are holy, visible signs and seals. They were instituted by God so that by their use he might the more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel. And this is the promise that God graciously grants us forgiveness of sins and everlasting life because of the one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross. Are both the Word and the sacraments then intended to focus our faith on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation? Yes, indeed, the Holy Spirit teaches us in the gospel and it assures us by the sacraments that our entire salvation rests on Christ's one sacrifice for us on the cross. How many sacraments has Christ instituted in the new covenant? Two, holy baptism and the holy supper. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ died on a cross on Calvary's Hill. On the third day, he then rose from the dead, and 40 days later, he ascended into heaven. Now, all those events took place nearly 2,000 years ago, and here we are today in Winnipeg in the year 2019. 2019. We are separated from the death and resurrection of Christ by both time and location. Those events that Christ did, uh, they took place a long time ago. They took place in a land far away. In light of that separation, the question we face is, how can the saving benefits of Christ that He obtained by His death and resurrection How can they be applied to me? How is that distance or separation going to be bridged? What is Scripture's answer? Well, the gap between the saving events Christ performed 2,000 years ago and us sitting here today is bridged by the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the one who makes us share in Christ's saving benefits that He won for us in His death and resurrection. So how does the Holy Spirit do this? Well, He does this as He works faith in our hearts. Faith in Jesus Christ. You don't need to work in order to gain these saving benefits. No, you simply receive them as you believe in jesus christ and we see something of that in first john 5 verse 5 who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that jesus is the son of god faith in christ worked by the holy spirit is key to receiving the saving benefits of christ and that brings us to the sermon theme by faith the holy spirit makes us share in christ and in all his benefits We'll see that this faith is, first of all, worked in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel, it's strengthened by the use of the sacraments, and it's focused on the finished work of Christ. So, Lord Day 25 asks, since then, faith alone makes us share in Christ and all his benefits. Where does faith come from? The answer is from the Holy Spirit, who works it in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel and strengthens it by the use of the sacraments. We're going to focus on the preaching of the gospel, first of all. And to begin this section, I want to look at the opening words of our reading from Isaiah 52. And there we read those curious words. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news. Now, those might sound like strange words, Why are these feet on the mountains beautiful? Have they been washed and perfumed? Have they been pedicured? No. To understand this image, or to understand these words, we must understand the image being used in this passage. The people with beautiful feet bring good news to Zion, and in the time of Isaiah, this referred to Jerusalem. So, the good news they proclaim to Zion or Jerusalem is, your God reigns. And after this message is proclaimed, the watchmen of Zion, they see the Lord return to the city. Now, the image used here in Isaiah 52 was a common one in the ancient world. The people who bring good news are messengers sent sent ahead of a king after a battle. And those messengers, coming back from the battle, they return to the home city, telling the good news of a victory. The message they bring is, "Your king reigns." And that essentially means, your king was victorious in battle. After all, if the king dies in battle, he's no longer going to be reigning. But if he's still alive, that, that means he's conquered his enemies, his kingdom has survived, maybe it's even expanded, and the king is on his way home to celebrate. There might even be a rich treasure coming back to the city from the spoils of war. So why are these feet beautiful? Not because they are pedicured. In fact, after a long journey, they might be cut up and bleeding. Bleeding. The feet are beautiful because they are such a welcome sight to the people of the city. They've been longing to hear about, they've been longing to hear good news about their king in battle. Well, this image is helpful for understanding how faith is worked in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel. See, preachers of the gospel, ministers, They're like those messengers upon the mountains. It's not that their feet are particularly beautiful in themselves. Mine sure are not. But they come bringing good news of Jesus Christ. Preachers of the gospel have been sent out by the victorious king, Christ himself. They proclaim his message of victory. And Christ sends these messengers to whomever he wills. And he sent this message to you sitting here this afternoon today. As we confess in chapter 1 of the Cans Adored about the preaching of the gospel, so that men and women may be brought to faith, God mercifully sends heralds or messengers of this most joyful message to whom he will and when he wills. And by their ministry, men are called to repentance and to faith in Christ crucified. And I want you to notice something striking about that description. The messengers bring the message of Christ crucified. And in the ancient world, this would be the last thing that messengers would want to tell the city the home city. The king has been crucified. Well, surely that means he's lost the battle. He's dead. But here's where the good news of Christ is different. Christ was victorious precisely because he was killed in battle. He won the war because he died on the cross. He was made king Because he was crucified. Hebrews 2 says, Jesus was crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. The beautiful thing about Christ's death in battle is that it sealed the victory for him. And for for on the third day after his death, he was raised to life again immortal. Now, because of these things, Jesus Christ is indeed King. Your King reigns. Jesus Christ is Lord. And as Scripture says, everyone, everyone who calls on the name of this Lord, this King, will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved see, one day Jesus Christ is coming back as the victorious king. And he sent out messengers ahead of his return, ahead of his return to us. And he sent them out also here this afternoon so that people like you might share in his victory. You might share in his victory by believing in him. Romans 10 picks up on the scriptural truth. Romans 10 affirms again, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Then Romans 10 asks, how then will people call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have not never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So then, faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word or message of Christ. Christ sends out messengers of his victory so that people might believe, so that you might believe. We read in Isaiah 52, all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. And that's what's happening this afternoon as you hear this message. You are seeing the salvation of God in the message of Christ. This good news is sent to you so that you would see it and believe. The prophet Isaiah was one of those messengers who brought good news. But the beginning of Isaiah 53 begins with a note of frustration. Verse 1 asks the question, Who has believed what he has heard from us? Right? Isaiah was one of those messengers. He asks, Who has believed? There's a sense of frustration and even anger in those words. This good news was preached to so many in Israel through the prophets. But what happened? So many failed to believe the good news. They did not obey the gospel. And may that never happen to you. Do you understand? The message of salvation is preached in the gospel of Christ. Never ignore it or refuse to believe it. It may never happen to any of you that you walk out of here with an unbelieving heart. There is salvation through the message of Christ. Believe it. And you you may believe it. You are allowed to believe this gospel. Right? That, That question at the beginning of Isaiah 53, it's also a comforting question. It asks, who has believed what he's heard from us? And the implication is that the message is proclaimed to you so that you would believe it. You are allowed to believe this good news. Right? Some, someone might wonder, it, is this message of Jesus Christ, is it too good to be true? I can be saved by faith in Jesus Christ, by calling on the name of the Lord? Yes. Do not doubt. Believe it. The Holy Spirit inspired John to write in 1 John 5, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know that you have eternal life in Jesus Christ. That, beloved, is the goal of the preaching of the gospel. brings us to our next point. So that's the preaching of the gospel. However, Christ has given us more than just the preaching to know that we have eternal life in Christ. He's also given us the sacraments. And he's given them to strengthen our faith in that gospel message. And to understand how this works, we're going to uh, connect the sacraments to that image of a messenger again. Again. Right? A messenger would come back to a city to proclaim the good news of the king's victory. And the people might rejoice, right? This is good news, great, great message. But perhaps their faith would be shaky. Is this really true? The odds were stacked against us and our king. Did he win the battle? Are we sure this messenger is not just making this up? Well, perhaps more evidence would help the people to believe the message of good news. And the best evidence would be provided by the king himself. And the king could do this. Before he sent the messengers out saying, bring this message to the city, perhaps he would give to this messenger a physical object or some kind of token to show the people back home that, yes, this was a message from the king himself. It's not something the messenger is making up. This is a message from the king. The king could let the messenger carry, carry a sign from the king. Now, as the messenger proclaimed the good news, he could show the people, look, look, look at this sign. I'm not making this up. This is from the king himself. It would help them to believe, yes, our King is alive. Yes, He's won the battle for us. This really is a message from the King Himself. He would seal to their hearts the truth of the good news. And that, beloved, is how the sacraments work. As question and answer 66 says, the sacraments are holy, visible signs and seals. They were instituted by God so that by their use He might the more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel. So the sacraments, they're signs, they're signs Christ the King's give to His messengers, the preachers of the gospel. They're meant to assure you the message proclaimed in the gospel is true gives you confidence. This message is not just made up by humans. It's from Christ Himself. It assures us of the salvation He gives. That's why it's also important that the sacraments were instituted by Christ Himself and not someone else, right? The the sacraments could not be ordained by the apostles. You know, they're, they're some of the messengers, sent out by Christ, the the apostles could not ordain the sacraments. They could not come up with the sign, only Christ could. He's the king, he gets to create the, the, the sign. As question and answer 69 says, the New Testament tells us that Christ only ordained two signs, baptism and the Lord's Supper, that's it. There's not seven sacraments as the Roman Catholic Church believes, there's only two. Christ Himself can only institute them. He's only done two. And the reality is that we only need two. Right? What's the testimony of Scripture? Scripture repeatedly states that the truth of a matter only needs to be established on the basis of two or three witnesses. And that's what we have with the Word and sacraments. We have the gospel message making its claims about salvation through faith in Christ. And the sacraments are two witnesses to confirm the testimony of that gospel message. They back it up, and they proclaim that message with a visible picture, so we may believe it. And we see something like this going on in 1 John 5, verse 6 6 through 8 says, Jesus Christ came by water and blood, and the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. Now, it's not entirely clear what it means when it says Christ came by water and the blood. Some people see a reference to the sacraments. Many see it as referring to Christ's own baptism and his death. And that may be the best option. However, the point I want to draw out is that there are three things here testifying together. They're making a claim about Christ. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three things are in agreement, says John. And that's what makes their testimony so persuasive. And John says, if anyone does not believe their testimony, they make God out to be a liar. What we want to see this afternoon is that the same principle applies to the gospel message and the sacraments. In the gospel, the good news of salvation in Christ is proclaimed. And the signs of the sacraments match that message. They give the testimony of two other witnesses to confirm this truth. And the Spirit uses those things to impress upon our hearts that, yes, it's true. This message is from God. It's all proclaiming the same message. And this brings a certain urgency to believing the gospel as well. In line of thinking of 1 John 5, verse 10, whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. Right? If we don't believe the gospel message, if we don't believe the message the sacraments are proclaiming to us, we make God out to be a liar. He's provided a clear testimony From two, even three witnesses. How then can we escape God's judgment if we don't believe that clear testimony? Now, on the flip side, this also gives us certainty in believing the message. Here we have the word of Christ, the sacraments testifying together about salvation in Christ. Their testimony agrees. Trust this message. It will not let you down. Believe this message. You will never go wrong if you do. You will be saved. That brings us to our last point. So what we're going to look at in this last point is that God or the Holy Spirit uses a message in the sacraments to focus our eyes on the finished work of Christ. You know, today many people struggle with ADD. Attention Deficit Disorder. There's many distractions in the world. It's easy to get sidetracked. People can have a hard time focusing on something for a long time. What we want to see this afternoon is that all of us struggle with something I call Spiritual Attention Deficit Disorder. Right? Our eyes quickly turn away from looking at the finished work of Christ. We are easily distracted from the cross. And we are quick to doubt God and to doubt His promises. And this is, again, a reason why God has given us the Word and the sacraments. Listen to question and answer 67. Are both the Word and the sacraments then intended to focus our faith on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation. Yes, indeed. The Holy Spirit teaches us in the gospel and assures us by the sacraments that our entire salvation rests on Christ's one sacrifice for us on the cross. The Holy Spirit's aim is to focus our faith. He wants your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ and on His finished work. Christ Himself says in John 6, verse 40, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. This is the goal of the preaching. This is the goal of the sacraments. That you would look upon the Son with the eyes of your heart. That you would believe in Him. That you would have eternal life. And that Christ would raise you up on the last day. You can see something of this in Isaiah 52. Verse 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news. Why? Because they proclaim a message of peace. Peace with God through Jesus Christ. They proclaim good news of happiness, the good news of the cross. They proclaim salvation, salvation through the finished work of Christ. Verse 9 then shows the response of the city which receives that message. Break forth together in singing, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people, has redeemed Jerusalem. May God comforts us with this message, your sins are forgiven through the blood of Christ. They're wiped away. Christ has redeemed you by his blood. Look at how this is so clearly shown in Isaiah 53. It's about the suffering servant. So clearly describes the suffering and death of the coming Christ. And that message is meant to focus our eyes on Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. We could quote that entire chapter, but just listen to these well-known words. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Right, that's it. That's what the Holy Spirit wants you to believe. And you may believe it. Right? Looking to Jesus Christ, you can know these words are true for you. God laid your iniquity on Jesus Christ. This is what the Holy Spirit wants you to believe. You may believe it. He was pierced for your transgressions. and The punishment that he endured has brought you peace where God wants our eyes focused on. We see the same thing in 1 John 5. This is a testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. This is the point and the message about the gospel and the sacraments. Eternal life is in God's Son. Whoever has the Son has life. The gospel proclaims this, the sacraments then confirm this. Beloved, God wants our eyes focused on Christ. Where are you looking to? Where are you looking to for salvation? believe in Jesus Christ fix your eyes on him and you will be saved amen let us respond to the preaching of the gospel by singing together hymn 71 <laughs>